Welcome to Manager Tools. Adding Headcount Basics. Here we go. This cast answers these questions. When should I add more people to my team? How can I tell when I need more people? How can I get my request for headcount approved? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. If you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation, the ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback. You practice coaching. You practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website. Check out our conference schedule. See us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Wendy, I hear all the time from folks, my people are too busy. <laughs> Therefore, I need more people. <laughs> yes, you're right. That's the answer. This is going to be a really short cast. I don't think so. Yeah. If I allowed my subordinate senior managers and, and managers below them to add headcount every time they felt their people were too busy, I'd have a lot of people. <laughs> I'd have a lot. A lot too many people and a lot of people to pay for. Yeah. And, and of course, the problem with a lot more people is a lot more budget. And some people, th- now, to be, to be honest, some people would say, well, that, is that a problem? Well, I think it's a problem, but a lot of people think it's not a problem. More, pu- more people, more budget, we get some more power, and therefore, there's a good reason to add people. And I'd suggest that uh, more power isn't a good reason to ask for more people. Can you imagine if everybody did that in the organization, just gathering more and more people? You'd have an organization that does very little, but has a lot of people in it. That's right. And what that means is that the organizational whole is less productive, right? Mm-hmm. Same amount, you know, so, and and that's the key metric, productivity. As a manager, as an executive, you're, that's, that's what you're looking at. And if you add more people, if you add more headcount, you are by definition almost less productive. That's not a good place to, to be. So what are we going to talk about today? So one, busyness, which people feel they are all the time too busy, is not, I say not, a good reason to add more people. Secondly, too many is way worse than too few people. It's a crime to have too many. So that said, there is a time when you can add more people. And we have some guidance on that. And the guidance is wait till you have 150% of a position worth of work before adding that position. And then Lastly, you have to know how your organization's request system works if you want to work effectively within it. So that's our outline for today. Let's talk about the whole busyness thing. Busyness is not a good reason for more people. And that is a pretty common mistake of managers, right? If my people say they're busy, I need more people. Yeah. Yeah, don't say yeah. Don't say yeah, because the answer to that is no. (laughs) It's not yeah, it's no. (laughs) No, I was agreeing with you (laughs) that it was a mistake. Especially high uh, high S managers, I imagine, who are very sympathetic to, to their people would be sad that they were busy and be tempted to add more people. Mm, good point. A high level of business will precede the need for more people, but it's not the only criteria. It's not even important. It's maybe like a weak indicator. 
If we make it the sole criteria, we incentivize people to complain about how busy they are. And if they're complaining, they're taking time away from what they should be doing. And if they can take a time away from what they should be doing, they're not busy at all. Yeah, I think the other the other part of it is, in my experience, and I've been, you know, I'm, folks, I'm 57 years old, so I'm probably older than most of you think I am. <laughs> in any case, I've been around a while. And my experience has been that those who complain most about being too busy are the least efficient of people. Yeah, because a high performer will just find a better way to work and be more, carry on being more effective, whereas a, a person who's a lower performer will just complain, and they're not helping themselves at all. That's right. So trust us, folks. People who are highly effective don't complain about busy. Matter of fact, they get stuff done without wasting their time and, frankly, ours talking about getting stuff done. And those folks, they're also very often the people who tell you, yeah, I've got more time. Yeah, give me more. Give me more. They just work out how to do more. They don't worry about saying, oh, I haven't got enough time. They just want to do more for you. And so they just work out how they can do more for you. It's the people that that are complaining that just don't that don't work out how to do more or don't work out how to make themselves more efficient. That's right. Folks, Mark and I have, have said this several times on podcast. You know, how many of you listening go home every night and you leave your office and there's nothing on your desk? There's no work incomplete. Everything's done. You're good. All your tasks are done. You're green on everything. You're great. I mean, how many people listening do that? And the answer is virtually nobody, right? We all have too much work to do. That's a function of, of work, right? We always have too much to do. So the question always is, I have too much to do, so I have to make a choice on which work I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on. And if you're smart, and if you're listening to us, you're obviously really, really smart, you're gonna make a choice to focus on those things that produce the most value for the organization. And so number of hours spent, compared to the value it produces. And those who produce a lot of value in the hours they have are productive. And that's the whole, that's the whole point. The things that shouldn't be done, you don't do them. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the answer. But the person who's too busy is focused on the most productive things. Now, at some point, that breaks down. So the question is, when, when am I so busy that now it's time to, to get somebody to help me out? Okay, so our next point is, too many is worse than too few. So what, what does that mean? So if you're looking for a good reason to hire more people, the only thing that matters is that it's because you can improve productivity with more people. So if you add someone and they are going to spend 50% of their time waiting for work to do and your employee who was previously busy in inverted commas is also going to stand around for 50% of the time you haven't improved productivity at all and therefore you don't add someone so the way you remember this is that productivity isn't hours worked divided by the people who are doing the hours it's hours worked on the tasks that deliver value to the organization divided by the number of people who are working those hours. So as you said, there can be busy people who are working on the wrong things. That's not productivity. Productivity is working on the right things and the time spent working on the right things divided by the number of people gives you how productive your team is. Yeah, and by the way, folks, every single one of us, that's true for Wendy, it's true for me, 
and it's true for you, probably true for you, uh, you, you know, if it's not true for you, I can't imagine why you're listening to us because you are a management god and you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be listening to us because uh, we're not management gods. Um, it's true for all of us. We're, we, every day, work on tasks that don't produce value for the organization. Sounds bad, but it's true. And if we have complete 100% awareness and insight into those tasks that produce value, we'll just stop doing them. Mm-hmm. So let's think about this. If you add one more person to a team of four, the only way productivity is going to increase is if that new person immediately begins to produce at a notably higher rate of productivity than the average person on the team. If you have, for example, four people doing X amount of work and you add a fifth person and that person doesn't have better productivity than the other four, at best, your average productivity is going to be equal, right? Yeah, exactly. And you're having to pay them more. So it affects how much the organization thinks their time is worth. So adding a person that you have to pay more means that you have to up their productivity even more because the organization values their worth by how much it has to pay to keep them there. So it's, it's not the people that are the div divisor in the productivity calculations, it's the compensation. And the other thing is that they're not going to be very productive on the key deliverables in the first 90 days, if not longer. Everybody knows that it takes some time to ramp up a new hire. If you're in, new in a job, it takes a while to get the hang of how things are done and what needs to be done and to start to be productive. So unless you've hired really, really well, and most people don't know how to do that, the people who are hired will come in at the level of their colleagues they will start low and they will get to the level of their colleagues and so by averages because you're now dividing by more compensation the productivity and the usefulness of the team has gone down that's right plus you have now if you had four now you have five you have the budget pressure of five with that you know with lack of any notable increased productivity to speak of and you know as a manager that's not a good place to be if you put yourself in the shoes of your boss or better yet the ceo president of the company and think, what do they think about? They think about cost, right? So one of the things they think about cost, what is the most significant um, contributor of cost in an organization? His headcount, it's people. In many organizations, it's 50% of those costs. It is by far the single biggest cost to the business. And so the result of that is senior executives worry a lot about increasing headcount. People are, are fairly easy to hire, not, e not easy to hire well. That's a different topic. But people are pretty easy to hire. They are really, really hard to lay off or fire for good reason. We shouldn't have uproot people from their, their old jobs or where they used to live, um, hire them to an organization because we need them now, and then decide six months from now, ah, oh, we don't need you. Sorry, you're gone. I think most people would think of that as... as um, not fair. Yeah, not fair, right? So if we're going to hire somebody, we sh there is implied in that a commitment toward some reasonable length of employment. And what that means is then we can't hire people on a whim just because we're busy today or busy this month or busy this year, knowing full well that we may not be busy next year. The problem is executives know that once you hire somebody, it is difficult to get rid of them and you are stuck, largely speaking, with that cost. How many newspaper articles have you seen about layoffs 
where one of the comments in the article was they took on 500 people last year or two years ago or three years ago and now they're making 250 or they're laying off 250 and it just makes the company look bad that they took on a bunch of people in hopes of a contract or to deal with immediate need and then three years later they lay those people off because that need has gone and they get a lot of flack for that for laying people off and it's way bigger than any praise they get for the initial hiring yeah it's very it's very seldom unless the president gets involved (laughs) we're not gonna go there but it's very rare for a company to get accolades in the press for hiring people you don't see headline you know ge hired 500 people this quarter, right? You don't, you don't see that. Like, oh, aren't they great? No, you don't. But they fire 500 people. Yeah, they're likely to oh, get some, yeah. likely to get some press. So, the cost and rewards are are not equal. And so, executives learn very quickly that we have to be careful about hiring. Yeah, so hiring is the last resort to the C-suite executives in your firm. That's why reorganizations are so common because it's an an effort to increase the productivity of the organization without adding headcount. They do everything they possibly can sustainably before they hire. And then they add, every time they hire a person, remember they're adding to the largest cost of labor and then pension costs and benefit costs and real estate. And there's a whole bunch of extra costs that come with another employee. And that's the reason why the purpose of an interview is to say no. The idea is that you look at people and you only hire them if they reach your standard. And that standard has to be you're gonna they're gonna add productivity to your team, not just be on the team and take up some of the extra work. That's that's not enough. Yeah, and if the purpose of an interview is to say no, frightens you or just throws you for a loop, then I recommend you check out the effective interviewing conference that we have. You can go to the website, www.manager-tools.com um, and look for the effective interview conference. Yeah, and is this is this a shilling of one of our products? Yeah, I guess so, since the podcasts <laughs> are free at some point, we actually have to make money to survive to produce this content. And one of the ways we do that is we have a conference on effective interviewing that goes through all this, I, believe me, you'll be a much more effective interviewer and understand completely what we're saying about interviewing. And as someone who recruited for a long time, I can tell you 90% of hiring managers have no clue what they're doing. So even if you think you know what you're doing, it's still worth going to the conference. Yeah. And folks, there's, there's a more fundamental truth working against hiring more people, which is Parkinson's law, right? And work expands to fill the time given it. Put more cynically, even if you give someone very little to do, they will spend a great deal of time doing it because that work will expand to fill their hours. And they will still talk about being busy because talking about being busy is the latest stupid human trick in the form of uh, humble bragging, or hashtag humble brag, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm so busy. It sounds like I'm being humble, but actually I'm just telling you that I'm important because I'm busy. <laughs> yeah, and and we all do it sometimes. And, and this is kind of a meme out there people are, are talking about. And uh, I've decided I am going to stop telling people how busy I am because they really don't care, frankly. <laughs> and you make yourself more busy by telling yourself you're busy. You stress yourself out. It's really not helpful. Yeah. 
part of this, you know, Parkinson law problem is I mentioned earlier is if your folks have less to do than they ought to have, directs don't have to make any choices about what they do, thereby increasing the chances that what they choose to do has low productivity value. Whereas if you have too few people, there's too much to do, not a bad thing, and they have to make choices, you know, on what they have to do to get things done. And since productivity per employee is rarely above 70 cent, 70%, meaning 30% of every employee's time is wasted, um, we're almost all motivated to talk about how busy we are. Yeah, that's really important. You know, if you've got 100 tasks to do and you can you can only fit 75 of them into your day, then you have to pick the most important 75. Whereas if you've got 100 tasks to do and you can fit them all into your day, you'll do all of them. But we still know that 25% of them weren't good tasks because that's the nature of work, that we all have things to do that aren't aren't productive for the organization. And so having people more busy and forcing them to choose is is important. That's right. Now, and we've talked about this before, which is Horseman's corollary to the Parkinson law, which is, and folks, you can look that up on Wikipedia if you'd like, um, work contracts into the time we give it. So, for example... When we travel or we go on vacation, it's amazing how productive how productive we are. I'm, I'm, for example, I'm leaving on a Saturday on a trip, and today I'm getting tons of stuff done. I'm incredibly productive today. Why can't I do that every day? Of course, I can. And we've all experienced it. We get ready to go on vacation, and we get everything off our table, right? We have all this backlog of email. We go through all of it. It gets all done. That's Horseman's Corollary to Parkinson's Law, right? Work contracts and time we give it, and we have less time before we go on vacation. Guess what? The work contracts and we get through it all just fine. Yeah. So rather than hiring more people, give the same amount of people more work to do and trust them to do it while also balancing work and family and also helping them to do it. And then in that case, you don't actually need to have a new hire with all of that cost and so on. Right. Wendy, I'm glad you mentioned that because if you're new listening to Manager Tools, we are not suggesting that you work your people to death and they put in tons of overtime and they have to forgo spending time with their family. We absolutely are not. We are not saying that. Everything we've talked about can be done within the standard eight-hour workday. We're not suggesting anything, anything different. And eventually there is a time when you can hire someone and that is when you have 150% of a position. So if, you're, if your folks aren't able to go home at a reasonable time or have a family life, then you may have got to the 150%. That's right. I mean, it's reasonable to suggest that there is some, you know, there is a percentage of the work we're doing that is not productive. But if at some point somebody has 150% of normal work to do, at some point you start dropping things that are, that are not as highly productive as other tasks. And at some point you start, you're not cutting fat anymore. You're, you're cutting muscle, right? And so our experience is about 150% is a rough guideline. Yeah. So the extra work that's not getting done has to fill up the time of one and a half new workers. So if you have six workers and they're 25% too busy, you have six times 25, which is 150%. So you're ready for a new person because you don't want to have the new person with under 100% of the things to to do because you're hiring too soon and you're adding costs for no productivity. And that's roughly how most of us think about work. We think that we're about 75% productive. And then if we double that, 
then that's 140%. So one person with two people's work to do would also count as 150%. Right. That way, when you finally get approval for one more headcount, because you have 1.5 times her workload, which, by the way, makes getting the request uh, approved much, much easier, you won't be risking being wrong in your estimates. And then you'll have, still have plenty of worthwhile work left over to do, which is what we always want anyway. Because you don't want the other person to come in and then be able to do 100% of their tasks and not having to choose. So the next time someone comes to you and says, we need another person, be polite and take the idea under advisement whilst quietly resolving to say no. Even if the requester has put together a reasonable case based on a one-for-one standard, the standard of one-to-one is unlikely to get lead to productivity gains. So unless they can give you a case that says that someone is doing 150% or between them, they're doing 150% of a new rule, of a new role, then you can just consider it and then say no. So finally, when you're you're ready to actually make that hire, you better have an understanding of how your organization's request system works. And we'd love to tell you how to how to, to do it, but it varies so widely that we really can't go into details. As a general rule, headcount is adjusted at budget time. So if you have a budget, you request headcount with your new budget. And if your boss has a budget or the budgets are done at a certain time, then that's the time to ask for headcount before the budgets are approved. If you're going to ask for a headcount within 90 days of a new budget, so they bring in the new budget on the 1st of April and you ask in the middle of May, you're unlikely to get anything because the budget has been set and they're busy using it up. Yeah, I think another good general principle to apply is to talk to your, your boss about it, right? If your headcount plus one can be offset by a fellow manager's minus one, well, that's a reorg. That's not a, it's not a headcount change, change within your boss's budget, which is really the budget that, that matters. Yeah. And if you don't get approval, figure out how to get more of the right work done by the people you have. If you can improve the productivity of the people you have and you still have 150% of a new role, then you're even more convincing the next time you go and ask for a new headcount. If you imagine yourself in the situation where you're going to go to your boss and ask for more headcount, and your boss asks you, tell me, what do your people do? What value do they produce? You need to have a really good answer for that. I think too many managers, we, you know, we get promoted, we're, we're given this, this role, and we never really think about, if somebody asked me to put numbers to the value that I produce, how would I do that? Mm-hmm. And if you have a good answer for that, you're much more likely to um, get additional headcount when you need it. So start preparing for that conversation now. Folks, busyness is not a good reason to add more people to your organization. It just isn't. Having too many folks is way worse than having too few. So wait until you have about 150% of a position of worth of work and know how your organization's request system works so that when you do need it, you're prepared and can actually get your headcount approved and through the system. All right. Thanks, Wendy. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. 
It's available on both iOS and Android devices. Go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and download the Manager Tools app. Just search for Manager Tools in the respective store or go to the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com, and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. Once you've installed the Manager Tools app, you'll have access to all the Manager Tools and Career Tools shows anytime, anywhere you want. With easy searching of podcasts by category, using the Map of the Universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manage Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.